So it's Shabbos day, you're about to leave your house and go to a friend's house for a meal. Uh, you're excited to go, looking forward to spending time at a Suda with this friend. And as you're about to leave, you remember that you forgot to purchase a gift, a, a guest gift um, for your host. And you have your mother's voice ringing in your head. Did you remember to buy a gift? Make it a good one. What do you do now? It's Shabbos day. You didn't buy anything ahead of time. So you look around your house and you see, oh, there's a wonderful bottle of wine that was gifted to you. I don't know, last Purim. And, uh, and you want to, to, to pass, the, uh, pass it forward. Uh, so are you allowed to take that bottle of wine and give it as a gift? And you remember there's something about gift giving, some issue of gift giving on Shabbos. Where does it apply and when does it apply? Okay, so that's a scenario. There are many, many, many like it, and that takes us to this week's topic, which is the prohibition against transactions on Shabbos. Um, we've been studying the halachos of writing and erasing on Shabbos in the past few weeks of the Shabbos Learning Project, and now, connected to the concept of writing and erasing, um, there are some rabbinic prohibitions that we will be discussing in the coming weeks. This week, it's the prohibition against transactions. There is a rabbinic prohibition against affecting a transaction on Shabbos. Um, and one reason for this is because the parties involved would, of, would often uh, uh, take to making a note of it, a receipt, writing it down. And since it is um, very um, connected to the idea of writing, there's a general prohibition against affecting any transaction on Shabbos. I was recently speaking to somebody in the financial world, and we were having a conversation about certain details and finances, and he put me on hold while he went to go look for his pen. Now, he told me he's not actually taking any notes of value, but for him, it's, it's just a habit. It's a learned automatic reflex. So whenever he's discussing anything that has to do with money, he starts writing. So that's kind of what Chazal had in mind. Um, that's one of the reasons for this prohibition is that it falls under the general category of the malacha, of the biblical prohibition of writing. But it takes on a life of its own, um, and has its own rules and regulations that are apart from the malacha, from the biblical um, prohibited category of writing. So we have this prohibition against affecting transactions, and that would include buying and selling and gift giving and the like. So let's get into some examples here. But before our examples, I just want to share something with you. This is one subject in which we see some of the interconnected nature of Torah. Here we are dealing with a relatively minor an occasional circumstance on Shabbos that we really do have to get clear, but it's like very specific and um, very focused within Hilcha Shabbos. Um, however, in the analysis of this topic, it takes us to many different instances in halachic life. So just to give you a very brief taste before getting to the bottom line halacha, let me give you some other um, examples of where this notion appears and where it seems that there is permissibility. So, as, as I mentioned before, we know that there is a prohibition against trans transactions on Shabbos and on Yantif. But on Sukkot, for example, if a person doesn't have an esrog, um, or um, if he buys one, that becomes a puzzle, as we esrog buyers are always nervous that something will happen before the first day of, of, of Yantif, especially if you have a pitum or something and it breaks off, and then it might become puzzle, might become um, unfit for mitzvah use, so um, the Gemara and the Halacha discusses what happens in that case. You don't have an Esau, so what can you do? So 
So the answer is that you could be gifted one from a friend, and they could affect a special acquisition called a matana, amanas lahachzir, and they affect this special acquisition, and then you can then own your own esrog, and thereby be able to fulfill the mitzvah of esrog. Another example, also connected to Sukkot. In the days of the Beis HaMikdash, the Gemara says that they would bring their lulavim up to the temple courtyard, um, and they would need them day after day. So they would take the lulavim to the temple courtyard. There would be many, many people there. And there weren't any lockers. didn't have any, any, any fancy coveys like we have in the back of our shul. So how would they go the next day and find their lulavim? I mean, there are only so many hiding places or specific locations that you can leave your lulav. So the answer is the Gemara explains that everybody would put down their lulav with um, the condition in mind that whoever picks it up the next day, it's theirs. Whoever picks it up the next time they go up to the Temple Mount, to the, to the, uh, to the, to the base of Mikdash, it's theirs. But how does that work? Isn't there a problem with affecting a, tr- affecting a transaction on acquisition on Shabbos and Yontif? Another example, when Erev Pesach falls out on Shabbos, as it did two years ago, so we're all really busy trying to get rid of our chametz and save a little bit over for our meals and how to deal with it. It was a lot of fun, <laughs> for those who call that fun. But, the, uh, but the, one of the recommendations is that if you have leftover chametz and don't know what to do with it, you can transfer it to a non-Jew on Shabbos, you know, right before Pesach. How does that work? What happened to the whole idea of the prohibition of transactions on Shabbos and Yantif? Many, many, many examples appear in halacha. Another one is when a person is lacking tzitzis on Shabbos. He doesn't have tzitzis, he doesn't have a talis, he wants to fulfill the mitzvah of tzitzis, and the halacha is that tzitzis has to belong to you. It can't be just borrowed. So somebody can gift you, even temporarily, uh, the tzitzis on Shabbos. That's what it says in the halacha. So, so many examples of this, and it keeps coming up time and again. So from the analysis of all these examples, the Magen of Ram and other poskim give us the following general rule. And that is, there are two factors that are different about all the examples given above than your average ordinary transaction. Those two factors are number one, all the examples above are ones of giving gifts, of gift giving, not a transaction, a two-way transaction, mekachumemkar but giving of a gift, a one-way transaction. That's number one. Number two, all the examples given above are examples of mitzvah purposes, items, a transaction of a gift that is used for a mitzvah purpose. So this explains everything. It explains why you're allowed to be gifted an esrog on yomtif. It explains why you could, be giving, why you could gift a lulav to somebody else. Uh, it explains why you can gift chametz to a non-Jew in Erev Pesach, why you could be gifted tzitzis in order to fulfill the mitzvah of wearing tzitzis. So this explains all the cases, and it gives us our general rule when it comes to, to transactions on Shabbos. And that's as follows. Transactions, meaning buying um, or bartering, trading one thing for another, that is prohibited even for a mitzvah purpose. However, a transaction in the form of a gift, which is just one directional, when it is for a mitzvah purpose, it is permissible. So as long as we check off those two boxes, A, it's just a gift and not a two-way transaction, and B, it's for a Shabbos or Yantif or mitzvah purpose, then it would be permitted. By the way, as an aside, uh, one question that's asked by the postgame by many is how is it permissible 
to do what they do in many synagogues and shuls all over, uh, to have an auction for alios, either at special times, like uh, Yom Tovim or Simchas Torah, or on uh, a regular Shabbos, many shuls will offer a quick auction, uh, selling off the various alios to be called up to the Torah. This question was discussed hundreds of years ago, actually. I found it in a Yam Shel Shlomo by Rabbi Shlomo Luria, one of the greatest uh, rabbis of the 1500s. He discusses this at length, and he basically gives two insights. Number one, he says that when it comes to an aliyah, uh, being called up to the Torah, what's being sold here is not a tangible item. And since it's not a tangible item, but more a spiritual zechus, a merit, um, that is not subject to the prohibitions of mekach umemkar, of buying and selling of transactions. That's one thing he notes. A second thing that he notes, um, which kind of proves his point, is that in their days, they had a custom of an auction, but their auction took the form in which the winner would receive the aliyah, but everybody who bid would give their donation, whatever their bid was, to the shul anyway. So in that sense, the donation was just as much a gift as, as anything else, as any form of uh, transaction. That's one of the points that he makes. And maybe this is a historic tradition that we should be reviving nowadays. But in any case, as we said above, let's get back to our practical examples. So if you have a scenario in which there is a mitzvah purpose and it is a gift, it is permissible. So what about birthday gifts? Congratulations, it is your spouse's birthday. It's your child's birthday. Are you allowed to give that birthday present that you forgot to give earlier? Are you allowed to give it now on their birthday? Or do you have to, do you have to um, plead uh, religious exemption and, uh, and, and give a birthday present after Shabbos? How does this work? So uh, despite some people's deep convictions and traditions, um, giving a birthday gift is actually not a mitzvah. Uh, my father, Zechron of Racha, raised us without really ce- celebrating birthdays. He used to quote that the only birthday mentioned in the Torah was, was Paros. Um, as a matter of fact, I recently heard that there was a family that has a tradition in which when a child reaches, uh, an older child, reaches his or her birthday, they give a gift to their parents, thanking them for taking care of them for another year. So in this reverse birthday tradition, um, it seems that that type of gift would be permissible because A, it's a gift, and in that case, it is a mitzvah. It's a mitzvah of kibbud av ve'em. So I'm not saying there's anything wrong with celebrating birthdays or with birthday gifts. As a matter of fact, in case you're curious, my birthday happens to be April 24th, but it still doesn't become a mitzvah that would make it permissible to give a birthday gift um, on Shabbos or Yantif. What about a bar mitzvah gift? Is that considered to be a mitzvah item or a mitzvah purpose? So it's not really a mitzvah. Uh, bar mitzvah is called a bar mitzvah because he is the age in which he accepts upon himself the yoke, the happy yoke of mitzvos. But there wouldn't be a specific mitzvah purpose in giving him a gift on his bar mitzvah. There is a tshuva in this Sridei Eish, Rabbi Chiel Yaakov Weinberg, uh, one of the um, greater poskim and rabbanim in pre-war Germany. And he writes, he has a tshuva about this scenario of giving a bar mitzvah boy. He calls him a, a, something like a bar mitzvah hadoresh. In those days, it was common that the bar mitzvah boy would get up and speak, give the drasha on Shabbos from the pulpit, from the spot where the rabbi usually speaks. 
At that time in Germany, they were combating intermarriage and inroads from the reform, and they would do whatever they could to give chashivos, to give importance uh, to Torah and mitzvos, and to a bar mitzvah boy who was accepting upon himself the old mitzvos, and they would allow him the kavod of speaking from the, the rabbi's podium, and they would often give him gifts afterwards uh, to thank him and encourage him. So he rules, the Sri Ish rules, that it is permissible to do so even though it's not a direct mitzvah purpose, but it is the holy purpose of giving the young boy encouragement to further his commitment to Torah and mitzvahs. And this is an important source in, source in general when we're speaking about the idea of giving gifts on Shabbos for mitzvah purposes. According to this opinion, it would be permissible not just for a, a specific and identifiable mitzvah, but even for encouraging general adherence to mitzvahs and for learning Torah, etc. So, those are some examples of where giving um, gifts would be permissible or not permissible. Now, there are often sticky situations. For example, let's say um, somebody comes by with a gift that you don't really want. Right? So they think it's a Shabbos purpose. They're giving you a book. And this is a book that they're excited by, but you're not really interested in reading about... Um, the economics of horse trading in, in ancient China on Shabbos. It, for some reason, it's just not what you're going to do this Shabbos. So it's not really for a Shabbos purpose or a mitzvah purpose. Um, but they are coming. They're your guests at your, at your Shabbos table. <clears throat> you certainly don't want to embarrass them. So what do you do then? Or another example is if somebody brings over a plate, <clears throat> and this plate is requiring of tevila, of being immersed into a mikvah before it's used, so even if you wanted to use it on Shabbos, it's not, not usable. So what do you do then? There are two methods that are recommended by the poskim to uh, find a way around the, these sticky situations. Both of them are not loopholes, but they are halachic vehicles or a halachic understanding that would allow us to get around the problem. And both of them are predicated upon understanding the idea of a kinyan, the notion of a halachic acquisition. So we're all familiar with the concept of buying and selling and acquiring. And when it comes to the halachic notion of acquisition, the very specific ways in which it is done, it requires a kinyan, which is some sort of physical action of transfer of ownership. could be as simple as having the recipient lift the item or carry the item off. Um, but it also requires intention, intentionality on the part of the giver and of the recipient. Those are some of the ingredients of a halachic kinyan, of an acquisition. So once we understand that, so here are the two methods. Number one is, uh, and these are not in any particular order, number one is that if somebody presents a gift to you on Shabbos that you don't want or that is really not a Shabbos purpose, so you can get around it by having intention not to acquire that particular item. So they give you the, the book on the... Chinese horse trading, you can thank the person and put it on your bookshelf without an intention to acquire it until after Shabbos. Somebody comes by, they have a beautiful dessert dish full of, I don't know, banana Laffy Taffies, so you can gently put that into your garbage without, in- <laughs> without intention to acquire uh, that sweet dessert. Um, so that's one option that's good to know about. The second one, this is for the giver, not for the recipient, a person can affect this idea of a kinyan, a legal acquisition, without the recipient there and participating. He can do it through a third party. 
You don't need the recipient there. You don't even need his knowledge because you're doing something which is good for him. It's good for him and you can do it another way. So the way that would work is you have somebody else, a third party, would acquire the item for your host. So before Shabbos, you would call over a friend of yours, a neighbor, and ask, ask the neighbor, you see this bottle of wine? Pick up the bottle of wine and have in mind that you are acquiring it for my host, so-and-so. Now this bottle of wine halachically belongs to the host. And when you're giving it to him or her on Shabbos, you're giving them something which was already theirs. So there's actually no transaction transpiring on Shabbos. Now I said a bottle of wine, but um, you should be asking, raising your hands in your cars or wherever you are asking the following question. I thought that giving a gift for a Shabbos purpose is permissible. The answer is you're right. That's true. A bottle of wine is probably not a great example. But if it's a bottle of wine that the recipient doesn't like or doesn't want, or one of these other gifts I mentioned above that is perhaps not usable on Shabbos, this would be a great way around it, is to affect this acquisition through a third party before Shabbos. So that's the rundown of the concept of transactions and gift giving on Shabbos. To review, we covered a lot of information in this short 17 minutes, but the basic principles are clear. We don't do uh, business, we don't affect transactions on Shabbos. Hopefully this year at a later date we'll speak about speech, um, you know, what we're allowed to speak about, not speak about, and other matters that have to do with transactions. But this week is just about the actual transaction. Those are not to be performed on Shabbos or Yantiv, even for a mitzvah purpose. What is permissible is giving gifts, a one-way transaction for a Shabbos or Yantiv or a mitzvah purpose. And we also talked about two ways around gift giving, which is if the recipient cho- uh, chooses intentionally not to acquire it, or if the giver uh, gifts the item through a third party from before Shabbos, that would also get, get around this prohibition and allow the gift to be given. Now, I'm going to stuff in one more topic this week um, because we were off last week. We have limited time and so much to learn. And this one is relatively small. So let's talk about um, one more aspect that is related to writing and that is related to transactions or business a little bit, which is weighing and measurement. So at Shabbos or Yantif, you have to measure some ingredients um, or you want to uh, uh, dispense some medicine, you need to measure out the proper dosage. Um, you have a challenge with your spouse as to who can lose more weight and you want to weigh yourself on Shabbos to, to prove that you've won or whatever weird circumstance you can come up with. Are you allowed to weigh and measure on Shabbos? The answer is no. Weighing and measuring uh, is another rabbinic prohibition. Um, the, there are two reasons for it given. One of them is connected to writing. The other one is that it is called uvdin or uvda dechol. It is a weekday activity. The Chazal deemed this to be something that either resembles a malacha or it just detracts from um, the aura or holiness of Shabbos. In Yiddish, we would call it not Shabbosdik, but it actually is a real halachic category called uvda dechol. So we're not permitted to weigh and measure on Shabbos. That goes with using a special instrument for weighing and measuring, like a measuring cup or a ruler. It also goes with measuring through a non-special uh, instrument, like the handle of a spoon or even your, your, your hand. Um, so it would not be permissible to measure in that way. But here is another example, and this is how it ties in with the beginning of this shear, this class, 
which in, in which doing so for a mitzvah purpose would be permissible. For example, um, measuring out the proper shear, the halachic volume necessary to make kiddush on, um, weighing uh, a shear, a volume of, uh, or a, an amount of matzah that you need for the Seder night. Um, those are examples where it is permissible to measure on Shabbos and on Yontif. Hi, I'm sorry to interrupt myself, but I'm recording, I'm continuing this recording from the car. I had to stop and jump in my car. So I hope that you are still with me and we're going to wrap up in the next minute with talking about measuring and weighing on Shabbos and Yontif. So we mentioned before that there is a, uh, there is a heter leniency to measure for mitzvah purposes. Um, there is another important heter for using a measuring cup or a measuring spoon or a measuring device inexactly. So like if you need a tablespoon and you take out your tablespoon um, or your measuring cup that, that is a tablespoon and you do about a tablespoon, a little more, it's heaping, a little less, that's also fine because you're not really measuring, it's inexact. That is a overarching permissibility that is really good to know about. Another uh, hetter that is important to know about is that if it is for the purpose of somebody who is not well, classic example is measuring somebody's um, dosage of their medication. You have to pull out, you have to pour out uh, 10 milligrams of Motrin for your baby. Um, they should all be well and healthy and happy, but it does happen that children get fevers and they get cranky and they need some medication. That is no problem. Um, in fact, anytime you measure for a young child, uh, that would be permissible. Halacha uh, treats young children as a status of those who are unwell, even though they are thriving and healthy, but since we need, they need extra special care, there are um, often leniencies for young children. And certainly somebody who is ill, somebody who is not well, and needs measured medication, it is permissible to measure for them as well. So there you have it. That is some of the outline of the prohibition and the places in which measuring and weighing would be permissible on Shabbos and Ayantif. And, uh, and I thank you so much for listening, for bearing with me in our stops and our starts. And I look forward to continuing the learning with the Shabbos quizzes that will be produced this week and continue with our next topic next week, which I believe is going to be wages on Shabbos. Hiring staff, hiring babysitters, or having businesses that operate on Shabbos and the like. Stay tuned and have a great Shabbos.